to episode number 337 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Jill. I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. And on this week's episode, we discuss a piece of Linux hardware that's got us all drooling. Then we're going to discuss some changes coming to KDE that will finally make Michael happy. Woo-hoo! Finally, Michael. We'll see. Will you finally smile? <laughs> yes. We'll see. <laughs> and we have a special birthday to celebrate. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All this coming up. Let's get the show on the road toward Destination Linux. Our feedback this week comes from Kieran. Today, I was listening to your amazing podcast in which I found back in April of last year, and it was great to hear about how much Microsoft has embraced Linux, especially after the certain words Steve Ballmer used to describe it back in the day. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, we all remember that. Steve Ballmer didn't exactly like it, and now... Microsoft. Steve Ballmer has fantastic quotes of developers, developers. developers. (laughs) Yes. Did you see the one where they have like Steve Ballmer and Bill Gates dancing on stage? And it is the most cringe. I know the word cringe is overused today, but that literally is the original meaning and purposeful use of the word cringe is watching them dance to a song on stage. If you haven't seen it, (laughs) go look it up on YouTube. YouTube is is something you will definitely want to see. Yeah, it's it's worth it, trust me. All right, so also he goes on to say, the reason I'm writing in specifically for this episode is that I reopened my blog's Facebook page that I set up back in 2013. And while scrolling through the history, I came across a post that I put up in November of 2013 regarding the next set of Windows releases. And at that time, it was talking about Windows 9 or what could be Windows 9. Here is the part of the post where I asked two questions which seemed quite relevant to your last episode about cloud-based Windows discussion. Windows 9 is assumed to be a 2015 release as a local OS. However, Windows 10 has also been discussed as a what-if as being a full cloud-based OS. So there's two questions for you. Do you think this is where Microsoft will lead us before 2020? No. Do you, number well, that's two, cheating because we're past twenty. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I just—I I mean, mean, that's not I'm, really bold, Michael, to be like, no. I think what they meant is like probably meant to put like twenty twenty eight, twenty thirty. No, twenty twenty. Well, this was posted in twenty fifteen, so twenty twenty is the right thing. Okay. I just—I right. was just make, taking advantage of the fact that I know the answer to this. Because you're in one, the future in twenty twenty three. Would be the world? Would the world infrastructure be ready to handle something like this? Thank you guys for all that you do in creating a fantastic show. There is a balance across the page in content and personality. Also, enjoy the cupcakes. That's great. Uh, That's muffins great. are fantastic. I will just say that. Thank you so much for supporting cupcakes and for the awesome email for here. Supporting cupcakes. Yeah, you yeah. Gotta support the cupcakes out there. Of They're completely being, you know, ostracized by those stupid muffins out there. Now. You can like both, Ryan. It's okay. No, you can't. You're either cupcake <laughs> or team muffin. You cannot be both. You, can, <laughs> you can have a preference and still like both, though. No. That's what I'm saying. Not possible. That's stupid. That's like saying I like Windows and Linux. No, you don't. You like one or the other, period. You cannot <laughs> like both. No, no, no. Muffins are good. Cupcakes are good. Linux is good. Windows is not. Okay. There's, they're not, well, it's Windows, not a good comparison. Maybe. But let's get to the questions at hand here. Do I okay. think this is where Microsoft will lead us? 100%. I think they yeah. technically did already. You know, we yeah. talked about this in, in prior that businesses have obviously utilized a form of the online Microsoft Windows, and we know that's a big push. 
And generally what happens in business eventually will make its way down to consumers to a degree. Uh, and then there's the question of would the world infrastructure be ready to handle this in most households? Michael, what do you think about that? Not really, no. Or maybe eventually. I don't know how long that will take, but right now, no. I do think that Starlink might make this more possible, but the infrastructure part is a very hard component. But I also think that the idea of cloud computing as the only form of computing will never really be a thing. Sure, it'll be like a supplemental thing for like businesses now and even some cases where people would have a secondary use case or specific needs to have a machine, whether it's Windows or not, in the cloud. I could see where that would be good. But in terms of the regular user and like the general sense of the mainstream of everyone, I don't think that's ever going to become a thing because... For Windows to go full cloud seems unlikely even because even setting the privacy part aside, the technological value of having your only system in the cloud is kind of a hard sell to give to people because if your internet ever goes out, you have no ability to do anything. And that sounds awful. Now, I will say that as a, a tech enthusiast, I'm a big fan of the internet and I enjoy having a connection. And when I don't, I basically feel like I can't use a computer. But at least if you don't have an internet connection and you have a machine that's real, then you could, you know, do write something in a document or do something else that doesn't require the internet. It's possible. But for this piece to be no ability to do anything, I think that's going to take a very long time and the infrastructure has to be solid for that to even be a consideration. So yeah. I did some data look up here and number of U.S. households without internet. There's 27.6 million U.S. households without home internet. That's in, just in the U.S. alone, right? Uh, and this is as of 2020. So it's three years old, but I assume it's not changed a whole lot since that time period. Over a quarter million households use dial-up internet at home. So those that do have it are using dial-up instead of actually fast uh, speed. Utah, Colorado, and California are your most connected states. And Mississippi, Arkansas, and Alabama are the least connected states. So, Michael, we don't even know how you have an internet connection based on that. So, I live in a big city. It's interesting that when you think about doing something like cloud computing there, that you, you, you mentioned the infrastructure in place. You're going to have to, of course, have everybody connected to a degree or have an alternative yeah. for people who don't. But there is kind of the question that comes there of, you know, there are times when the mobile phones uh, were first released out there that there are people who did not have access to utilize the mobile phones because there's no towers in their area. And then eventually came years and years later, but other people in the big cities had it right away. So, you know, Windows may release something like that where you have the option to be in the cloud and just do one subscription service and generally they make these things extremely attractive you know they'll bundle something like Microsoft Game Pass plus you get the Windows plus you get Office 365 and you get it for a certain amount of dollars per month maybe it's 25 30 dollars a month and then on top of that you could still download it like you can Office 365 so technically you use Office 365 in the cloud but you can also download it once you get that subscription to your computer and have a local copy. So it'll probably be some hybrid like that that they're going to push. But I couldn't see a path where they don't move forward with pushing that if they even care about having an OS at all anymore, which honestly, I think you could make an argument. Does Windows even care about their operating system as a service anymore? Or are they mostly just focused on 
things like chat GPT, AI, cloud storage, database storage, and those things because Windows 10 is it's not like it's a super innovative OS anymore. Like it's there's not a lot of features coming to it. There's not a lot of change coming to it. It just doesn't seem they're even they're talking about not even releasing new versions potentially in the future. It just doesn't seem like they care too much. Well, they said that about before they did Windows 11, they said the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. but I, I actually do think that it's a possibility and that Microsoft will go to that eventually. I just think it's going to be like 10 to 15 years or at least maybe more than that. So you're saying yeah. 2030 is when we will see this, Michael. 2030. That's no. Michael's prediction. <laughs> 2040, maybe 2050 is what 2040. I think. Is. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe there's a possibility of that <laughs> happening. Somebody maybe. set oh. a reminder for 2040 to <laughs> okay. see if Michael was right and then let Michael know. Yeah, the, yes, the, exactly. the digital divide is... Let me is, know on episode 942. <laughs> yeah, digital divide is going to be one of the, the first problems with this scenario. It's already a problem right now with uh, kids at school using Chromebooks, you know, just to get their files uploaded. Mm-hmm. It's already an issue. And what's interesting, as as we were talking about this, I was... I was, you know, thinking about all the thin clients out there. That that's kind of been the paradigm for business. A lot of companies have a main server and they have the thin cut clients that all the employees use. So yeah. this is very similar to that in kind of a lot of ways. <laughs> Just <laughs> you know, uh, not not quite as stable as as ethernet, <laughs> but a very similar idea. And I think yeah, it I will I think it'll be interesting it will to see come. what happens. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, they already happen. have Windows 365. That's already exactly. exactly. But it is specifically for business at the moment. But I, I assume that eventually they're going to make it for everybody. Well, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Aww. We'll see. And thank but you so much question. for writing yep. in with such thoughtful reflection, Karian, and for your your friendly prose. We really appreciate it. And for the awesome cupcakes. Yum, yum. I want to eat one yum, right now. Yum, yum. <laughs> Indeed. Down with the muffin forever. <laughs> How dare you? Muffins are the best. People do not give it credit. Just because there's no icing doesn't mean they can't be delicious. <laughs> That's right. Okay. It's an ugly cupcake. No. They have, don't have they're icing. Diff- they're, they're decadent. They're <laughs> moist. Decadent. So is cupcakes. They're you just described cupcakes. a cupcake. Well, cupcakes, actually cupcakes only value is icing. And that's basically like you're trying to make something and then you realize it's not good enough by itself. So you got to slap some stuff on top. That is why the muffin is the better thing. (laughs) You can put fruit in it. You monster. (laughs) You monster. (laughs) This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and Linstore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community, and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. All of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and Linstore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration, whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula. There's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. 
Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. You know, we talk all the time about having Linux on more hardware available to us. This is one of the things I talked about not so long ago when it was my time to go get a laptop and I was buying all these laptops because I couldn't find one that came with Linux that I was going to put Linux on. And I just had the most horrible run with like Dell's, Lenovo's, everything where I could not find one where everything worked out of the box without doing tons of hackery with Linux. It's very frustrating out there. And one of the other areas where we don't have Linux on a lot of choices with Linux on things is tablets, of course. Mm-hmm. Now, there are hack options, right? You can go get some of these Kindle Fires and other things, yeah. and you can kind of hack away at them and make them run Linux. But it's not the same as just going and buying something and having it made to work on Linux by default. And some of the things you miss when you don't have that by default can be things like firmware upgrades, right? Like, yeah, you can get it to work once, but maybe there's firmware upgrades coming from the manufacturer. They're not going to be supported because this thing was never meant to run Linux in the first place. And you've got all these different problems that we have. In fact, there's even, there's actually some level of it's fun to make something that's not supposed to do something, do it. Like, for example, Wendy of Hardware Addicts did a video on the channel that has basically creating, making an Amazon Fire run Linux. In order to do it, you have to take it apart and short circuit the connection on the motherboard. (laughs) That's cool, but not really a reliable solution. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that people hack Linux and put it anywhere. I mean, that's kind of how I feel like we got Saudi Linux. You know, we got Linux running on Macs and all that stuff. So definitely not saying that's a negative thing, but not everybody wants to do that. And it's not the best option for everyone's use purposes either, especially if you're trying to use something for business, which is what I was on the hunt for when I went to go get a tablet and ended up, of course, looking at things like PineTab, but it really wasn't powerful enough for what I was wanting to do. And there were a couple other options out there that I was just on the fence about. I didn't really know a whole lot about the companies and the specs were kind of weak. And I was just like, eh. And so I ended up getting the Chromebook that I have a video on my channel about. It's a Lenovo Chromebook tablet, but it has the kind of like the soft keyboard cover like the Microsoft Surface does. Does and that make it a Chrome? I really love that. Really love that form fa- factor. What did you say it makes it? <laughs> I said, does that make it a Chromelet? Chromelet. Yeah, it's kind of like a Chromelet. It's the only Chromebook I actually like because it just it doesn't try to be a laptop totally and doesn't try to be a tablet totally because Chrome OS isn't really good, I think, as a full solution for a laptop on either. It, <laughs> it's the hybrid, hybrid. and that, so that's yeah. kind of perfect. It is it kind there. of a good, a good fit for that purpose. And I, I do think that having a tablet with Linux is something that people want because, let, let, okay, let's face it, Android is technically based on Linux, but it's not really Linux. Mm-hmm. And having a full-blown Linux t- uh, tablet is very useful in terms of having access to run all the applications you want and also in a super portable way. So when we got the news that there is a new tablet out from Star Labs, I was very interested. So let's talk about the new Starlight tablet, the Mark V. So I think this is Mark V because they used the term Starlight for a previous device that wasn't a tablet. And now this, I don't think it's like the fifth edition of the, t- of the tablet version. Uh, but... So let's talk about the this t- this tablet you're going to get is at pre-order right now, $498. Uh, 
with its regular cost is 713. So if you get a pre-order, it's much cheaper. It comes with what you would want it to have, which is a CPU that can run Linux. And that is something that you won't, you don't really get that often because the x86 in a tablet is not super common. And I'm glad to see that that it's possible. Yeah, what I think is really interesting about this is, number one, I love Star Labs. I've been on the fence of picking up a Star Labs machine for quite a while now. So I, I love their laptop. I think it's the Starfighter, their 16-inch yeah. edition, yeah, the 4K Fighter. screen and all of that. They were kind of one of the first ones out there that actually was putting a really good screen, an actually acceptable screen in a Linux laptop. And so... I really like what they're doing over there with Linux and some of their hardware looks really sleek. And so I was excited that they're the ones who are releasing this. And the specs here are dope all the way around. I mean, your memory is at 4,800 megahertz, 16 gigabytes of it. You can get 512, one terabyte, two terabyte options. So you've got this customization again that you can do with this. But one of the things that other companies that I really, really like, of course, is frameworks because of the repairability and all of that stuff. Well, I was looking at this and I noticed that in their warranty, it basically says that you have the ability to hack or play. Basically do whatever you want. Yeah, do whatever you want. And they're still going to, it's not going to void your warranty in there. So they're kind of giving you that cool ability to go in there and repair. And I love companies that are starting to adopt this. This really differentiates them from everybody else on the market, I feel like. Uh, Allows you to take your computer apart, replace parts, install upgrades, use any operating system you want. And even change your firmware all without voiding your warranty. That to me, like, yes. That's awesome. Sing to me. Sing to me. I'm loving it. (laughs) This is the Linux tablet we have actually all been waiting for. And, you know, starting at $498, it's actually a not a bad price. (laughs) There have been been some that have come out that are a thousand. And there's even some Android (laughs) tablets that are that cost more. And but I definitely would include the optional magnetic backlit keyboard for a total of $599. And yeah, so the backlit keyboard is an extra $100, but it's so worth it. You don't want to buy this machine without it. (laughs) And it has core boot and five years of LVFS updates, which is a really big selling point to me. And that the open warranty lets you upgrade worry-free. That's just, you know, other than framework, we haven't had this in the Linux world too much. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned about the keyboard, why is this important? Because to me, a tablet by itself, I always end up selling them because it's kind of one of these things where I have in my mind, oh, I'll use it to read books every now and then. But then I just prefer the feeling of an actual book more than I ever do digital. And stuff. An actual book? What is wrong yeah. with you? So an actual <laughs> book for the kids listening to us is this yeah. paper that they printed the words Trees. on and you could hold it and it didn't have a battery. You you'd never run out of battery. You could take it anywhere and then read whenever you wanted. And it was really cool. Not Um, have a battery? Yeah, didn't have a battery. You didn't need to charge it. There was no USB-C port. Stop making up stories, Ryan. That's just (laughs) ridiculous. In my day, we walked 50 miles to school. And so we, you know, I I prefer a physical copy of a book, but every once in a while I'll read a digital copy of a book. So the tablets never really stuck with me. Every time I watch a video on them, every once in a while, something like that. Then when you add a keyboard to it, specifically a keyboard, I don't have to have a separate charging cable that goes to because that annoys yeah. me. Like it, some of you may have experienced this where you buy a tablet and it has a keyboard attachment. Usually it's Logitech and it's like 
they don't really interconnect with the tablet you're buying for, even though it's like made for iPad or made for the Samsung. And then you've got to put a charger into your tablet and you got to put a charger into your keyboard. And one of those may die and you may not have the other. But so I hate that thing, that form factor too, which is one of the reasons I like this Lenovo Chromebook is it's got the magnetic keyboard that gets charged through the magnetic connection that it has on there using the tablet's power. And you've got that back keyboard and things like that. We don't have to charge two things. But now this becomes more of a laptop when I need it. And that's what I need most of the time. And why I like the tablet form factor instead of why don't you just buy a laptop is because it's so thin and takes up so little space that when I'm traveling and I have my work laptop, but I want to bring a personal device with me as well. Now I'm not carrying two full-size laptops in my bag. I've got this little tablet I can slide in. It has a keyboard so I can type show notes. I can do those type of things. Plus, I've got my regular work laptop when I'm traveling with me, and it just is really all around a great idea to have. I've really enjoyed it, but I definitely want to replace my Lenovo Chromebook with this because it's got everything that I want. 12.5-inch screen, 2880 by 1920 there. So we got a Whoa, that's not a 1080p mm-hmm. screen, Ryan. What happened? I know. That's the yeah, one problem. Yeah, that's my favorite form factor. Darn, I don't have that 1080p. <laughs> you know, so it's got a really nice screen in there, 12.5 inch. The one thing I'd say is its bezel looks a little thick. A little bit thick. With two know, C's. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not my favorite bezel, but again, if you pre-order this, you can pick this up for a really solid price at that $498 plus the hundred dollars for the keyboard. But if you don't pre-order it, it says it's going to sell it at seven thirteen, so that starts to get a so little bit higher. I mean, for the specs, it's not it bad. But, yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, and it also like, comes with an eight and yeah. a headphone jack, Ryan. Oh yes. Uh, what? What's that? What are those for? <laughs> <laughs> what are those for? Those are for headphones that you plug in <laughs> yes. to a device. Is that like something you guys did in the '60s or something, or like what? Because right now we have wireless thing. Bluetooth. <laughs> it's something that Apple's need. afraid of right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love the headphone jack. I love the micro SD. So let's say you pick up the one that's just the 512. I say just 512. Heck, half of these iPads come with like 32 gigabytes of storage. This one starts <laughs> at 512, right? So they're giving you plenty of storage. But if you want some extra storage, you got the micro uh, SD card as well there for you, which is really cool. You got micro HDMI. So you could pair this with a TV. You're at a hotel, whatever. You want to play your shows through your tablet to your TV, use the micro HDMI connection on it to a full HDMI to the back of a hotel TV and boom. Or you can use that as a secondary monitor then at that point. So yeah. many options. There, it, it's unbelievable. It so I, much room for activities. I like that it <laughs> so comes much with, room for activities. with the newer Intel Alder Lake N200, which yeah. is very low power and you'll get about 12 hours of battery life on the tablet. That's pretty yeah. sweet. And so Juno makes one as well, makes a tablet for Linux, but this is definitely more powerful than even the Juno Tab 2. Not saying anything bad about the Juno. Juno also has a really nice screen, some really nice specs and things out there. So if you're looking for another alternative for some reason, then you can check out the Juno Tab 2. But uh, I think out of the two of them for the specs right now, I'm kind of really leaning towards the Star Labs version at the moment. But very similar, Juno Tab 2, yeah. very similar features. Very similar. The Juno does come with the keyboard by default, and it's a little cheaper because it's a little older and um, it, it's it's lower spec. But So it's the price range for both of them is really good. Yeah, you get it's the really N5100 Celeron in the Juno Tab 2, which is not yeah. as fast as the N200. I know that's counterintuitive because N200, <laughs> not as big of a number as N5100. Whoa, you're saying Intel, Intel has you. named things badly? Yeah. No. Yeah. You know how Intel Never. Be. 
they special like that. Yeah. Intel is special like that. So, I mean, ultimately, I think they've checked all the boxes here. I'm not Absolutely. quite sure, other than making a smaller bezel. And, of course, hopefully it has good sounding speakers in it. That's one thing that happens a lot yeah. in laptops that aren't <laughs> Apple, honestly, is they put really crappy speakers in these machines. Yes. Yeah, um, and hopefully of- the screen has really good nit brightness and things. I, I think it did show the nit somewhere. It was pretty high, like in the, I want to say, yeah. seven 800 range. But uh, if that's the case, then that would be amazing. Yeah, speaking of uh, music, uh, Ryan, you know, I've actually been looking for a good Linux tablet since the glory days of using my HP touchpad. And honestly, I still use it for playing music because the sound system's incredible on it. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds really important. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. HP touchpad, for those who don't know, was the wonders of WebOS. Yes. Yeah, WebOS, WebOS, we too. love. <laughs> but um, the this tablet is really interesting, and I I'm not really a tablet form factor, but the idea of you having it for a it. secondary purpose yeah. and a supplemental solution, I have been wanting something like that for a long time because all of my laptops are pretty heavy, and it's nice to be able to not always need to carry a laptop or. If I'm on like a plane or something, they kind of take up too much room because those little mm-hmm. tiny tables on you right in front of you, <laughs> yeah. the, the tray tables I, I don't even or have whatever. Room to sit on an airplane, <laughs> let alone pull a laptop. I always bring one like I could, but I'm always like turned sideways in my wide sh- shoulders. And so I can't even like use a laptop anyway. It's so frustrating. Aww. These planes are so stupid the way they pack people in. Anyways, you just got me on a whole rant there. Yes, Why do you start me on these rants, Michael? <laughs> I don't know. Somehow I just have a knack for it. You know? It, just, just it does have stereo speakers. It does have two uh, front and rear cameras in there, which is really cool. You've got the latest Bluetooth 5.1 in there. Did we mention that you can choose the distro that you want installed on this? We didn't, we, but you can. How terrible. So yeah. Ubuntu, Elementary OS, Linux How Mint, terrible Monjaro, we didn't MX mention Linux. it. Not that you can. <laughs> Zorin OS. Like any of those, you can choose by default to have installed in this. That's pretty yep. dope. And there's multiple and versions depending on the depending on the, the distro you pick. And yeah. of course, you can also replace it and wipe it and put every whatever you want on it. What a great Christmas gift too for the Linux oh, person absolutely. in your life. Because by the way, these take there's going to be pre order now. It takes about eight to nine weeks. So you get them sometime late October. But what a great option to get that ready for the holidays that are right around the corner. Yeah. They're right around the, <laughs> the corner. corner. Well, someone what, who's been listening to us for a long time will get that reference. One of the reasons uh, that's I've like been, a year, that's a year ago reference or two years uh, something. Yeah. I don't remember. It was a long <laughs> time ago. It, it was basically for those who don't know. Uh, Ryan likes to say right around the corner when it's yes. anytime. Well, it could anytime. be could be January March, and it's fine. March, it was right Christmas again in July, at least halfway there. <laughs> yeah, that's not, like, exactly. <laughs> not how Christmas works, Jill. Yeah, it's not how Christmas works. Well, maybe not in your stupid house, but mine. Christmas is all year round. <laughs> One of the reasons I'm actually That's gotta on the really lookout. really irritating with all those lights going <laughs> off all the time. Yeah. I've actually been on the lookout for a new newer tablet is uh, for podcasting, actually, to have my uh, chat display next to me without using an yeah. extra monitor. On on of, of my three monitors, not dedicating one monitor to chat. It'd be nice to have it. Well, it's interesting you say that because that's what I use this one for too. So it comes with yeah, me sometimes exactly. uh, when I'm driving in the car on trips and all that stuff. And also it sits next to 
my mixer here and it interfaces with the mixer. So it's got a lot of uses and it takes up so little space yeah. and I can always just shut it and close it and it's got this super thin That's profile. Awesome. It really, you could find a lot of uses for this. I know what I'm doing here if people haven't noticed is I'm giving you excuses to give your spouse of why you have to have this and why it's different than the laptop. And because he's also we know we thinking, all just want it he's because thinking it's out tablet. loud <laughs> so that he can say this to his wife. Aww. Exactly. Yeah, I'm getting my story straight before I go to my wife and tell her <laughs> why then. I have to have this. Yeah. And it's got aluminum chassis and 12 hours of battery. The yeah. battery life isn't great. I think they might be able to do some tweaks. That, of course, you get your firmware updates through this. So hopefully they can do some tweaks and things through time to get that battery life better. That. 12 hours used to be good. In today's world, that's just like right at that edge of barely acceptable. When you got like, you know, MacBook laptops and things running 16 to 20 hours. <laughs> yeah, you got you could do better than that, probably yeah. the 12 Tab hours, but that could be fixed in software tweaks. <laughs> Absolutely. Likely. Tablets have notoriously be been uh, battery hogs. And so yeah. so 12 starting is, is actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. And, and speaking of uh, a chat and wanting a tablet to read chat, you know, uh, Chris Spazzy, he, he says, yes, I want one now. <laughs> yes, of course. We all want one now. Yeah. We also, speaking of um, reasons to give presents and things, birthdays are always a good celebration time to give yeah. people presents. That's so, true. Michael, my birthday is coming up. It would be nice if I had a tablet pre-order <laughs> form. You won't have it in your hand, but you could send me a screenshot of the tablet you bought me for my birthday. If you want, you could do that. And no. There's apparently other birthdays going on as well, Jill. Yes, out there. there are. There have been several this year, in fact. So oh. uh, <laughs> Debian, uh, Linux's foundational OS, was founded by Ian. You Mark. had a birthday, Ryan? Like every year? <laughs> okay. It's special, Michael. It's my birthday. I didn't know other people had birthdays, too. I thought it was just a <laughs> me thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your mind, Ryan. They happen every day. Yes. Really? Like, not just on the day I was born? Every Aww. day. Someone's birthday somewhere. But Every we all day. Get but then? <laughs> Every what day, it's before not my your birthday? birthday, is your unbirthday. Nothing Alice happened in before Wonderland. your birthday. Right. Nothing existed before my birthday. Yeah. And then I came, <laughs> and all of you appeared. <laughs> Let there be it. Ryan is what happened. Let there be Ryan. <laughs> Because before I was here, none of you existed in my world. But once I came, you all were here. That's true. So That's true. Think about it. Think no, about it. none of us existed in your world. That's true. Yes. Sorry, okay, Jill. So. You were trying to say something <laughs> okay. important, and these these boys are out of hand. Okay. We don't even know what we're talking about at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Debian, Linux's foundational OS, was actually founded by Eon Murdoch, who first announced it on August 16th, 1993, and initially called it the Debian Linux release. So yes, Debian is 30 years old. And wow, just wow. And again, this is the foundational OS for Ubuntu and lots of major distros out there in the world, System76, Pop OS, and the list goes on and on. And it's it's interesting because the, the first release of Debian came out actually on September 15th, 1993. But we celebrate the the anniversary or Debian Day on August 16th every year. And this the announcement. one yeah, the announcement. And this one was very special because because uh, <laughs> it's 30 years old. And I actually started using Debian in October of 1993 and had been 
using Slackware Linux when it came out that same year in July. So yes, Slackware just celebrated its 30, 30th anniversary as well. So I've been using Debian installed on literally hundreds of machines, both new, old, and vintage in my computer collection and hardware museum because it supports almost every architecture of computer I own. <laughs> so it's yeah, on 99% really of my computers. <laughs> Well, I actually was, I was at a local lug recently and that's a Linux user group for those who don't know. And they, we were talking about how Debian supported stuff and how it was actually news when they stopped supporting a particular architecture, even yes. though there hadn't been new computers for that architecture in, in years. five years or something. And uh, it was just kind of funny because basically the joke is Debian supports everything and if you can think of it, it probably supports it. Yes, yeah. this is true. Like, for instance, my Deck Alpha, actually, Debian officially dropped support for it, but the community took over. <laughs> so it is supported by the community. And a lot nice. of my older computers fall in that category. Well, it's not just Debian's birthday or my birthday. There's also a birthday present for Michael going on in KDE. Yes. You like Your transitions there, used Michael? to be really yes. good. Huh? Your transitions used to be good. So far, this episode, they're not great. That's the theme of this episode is bad transitions. That's oh, what you're okay. going to name the episode, bad transitions. Bad transitions. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. There you go. So what's happening, Michael, is something that... Birthday presents and bad transitions. That's Every episode. time... It's Michael's birthday. He's got a cake in front of him, and he made it himself because nobody got a cupcake him a cake. in front of him. Cupcake? That's no, right. a muffin? muffin. You have a birthday muffin? No. Anyway, <laughs> okay. So he's got his cake there. I want you to imagine this. It's a little tiny cake. That's he's the got, only time cake uh, cupcakes are okay. He's got candles in it. Birthdays. You know, like fifty candles because Michael's like fifty. <laughs> and <laughs> and he he lights all fifty candles and he makes a wish. <sighs> He blows it out. And I ask him, what did you wish for, Michael? Because I'm his only friend. And he's like, thank you for asking, my only friend. I wish KDE would be double-click <laughs> by default. That's what he wishes for every year. Every for all year. 50 years yeah. he's been alive, he's been what? wishing for this what? since he was would a baby. That be my wish? Yes. <laughs> also, I like, how, yes. I like how my response is, thank you, my only friend. <laughs> I don't know why what? you do that. I'm just telling people stories of things that really happen in our life. Of know? course. These are yeah. like, there's, there's no denying that these <laughs> are things happens. that happen. Yeah. So for 50 years, I even checked with his mom. She said before I even became his only friend that she, he used to wish for that on his birthday when he was first, first birthday. Yeah, for everything. 50 years before KDE existed. Exactly. <laughs> he wanted, he <laughs> wanted before I existed. He wanted double click to be there. And I want to tell you that this year, Michael, on your 50th birthday, uh, KDE has delivered. They yes, have delivered they your wish that you've been asking for 50 years. And now KDE will be double click by default. Happy uh, birthday, Michael. <laughs> he was like, nah. <laughs> what do you mean? Eh? He's already. Dude, this he's is what. He's been using double click on KDE. You just go into okay. the settings. And so, you've been ranting about this <laughs> for 50 years. Like, okay, not at all. Every other but episode I have, talk about. I have this. discussed this on many occasions. We've even had episodes about this years ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it has been something I've been shut wanting. don't shut up about it. This has been something I've been wanting to happen for about eight or nine years. years or so. And I did, well, I was able to convince multiple distros to do this. So basically, the default wasn't really used. So most people who 
use Kubuntu or use Manjaro or use Endeavor and Tergos back in the day or Fedora, most of them have already done the switch to having double click by default. So you might not even know why this is even a thing because most people probably don't experience it anymore. But officially, KDE released for many years that single click for opening files and folders would just be would be the default. So what that meant is most people are used to coming from Windows and they use Plasma because let's face it, Plasma looks like Windows and has for ever similarities. Yeah, it looks pretty close. And uh, so the paradigm, at least, is the same. There you go. And people are expecting the fact that when they click a file or they click a folder to select it on the first click and then choose double click to open it. And by default, for many years, KDE Plasma has been using it as a single click to open which would result in some people accidentally opening it's a so file dumb. multiple it's times so or that it. sort of thing. <laughs> no, it's not that I hate it for people who want it that way, but it's just not a good default. This isn't exactly. A good default. Yeah. My argument was, uh, I don't really care which one is the preference of a user. If you like the single click, then great, enjoy. But default should be what people expect. And it's, fa- it's fantastic to see that they're now adopting it nine years later. <laughs> Yeah, I might actually be a bit unique that I actually prefer single click, especially in KDE, where I've been using it with single click all these years since it came out. So I just naturally expect it to be single click. And because I actually like the speed of one click and using the mouse less. I accidentally uh, open folders I don't want to open all the time with single click, which is why I don't like it. But Jill, let me ask you something. Did you... Prefer cupcakes or muffins when we <laughs> had this whole discussion. <laughs> cupcakes, okay. All right, so you're, ex- you know, every nobody's perfect, <laughs> yeah, and this perfect. kind of proves it. Like, yeah, it's okay. she loves cupcakes. That nobody's makes her <laughs> close to perfect, but then yeah. she prefers single click. Which, whole body's you know, nerfed, perfect, Ryan. Aww. Yeah, whole body's nerfed. Yeah. Well, I actually still sometimes turn on a uh, uh, single click on other D- DEs and X window managers uh, like Window Maker. I have that set up for a single click because the applications are kind of out of their your your way the the docked applications and doc apps are in the corners um yeah and yeah. so yeah <laughs> they stay out of your way so single i mean it's okay for people to like single click it's fine just yeah. like it's okay is for it? people to like cupcakes but yeah. the the thing is <laughs> the the single click is fine for people who want that the problem is is the default should be what people are expecting exactly and when you have yeah multitudes yeah. of millions of people coming from windows to plasma the default was confusing. So yeah. that's why most of the distributions <laughs> changed it. And for the past at least two years, maybe more, you're not really going to experience the default. So for, in some ways, you could argue that it doesn't really matter what the default is because all the distros changed it or most distros <laughs> changed it, but not everyone did. So this is good to see that. And I also appreciate the fact that they're doing this with the idea of keeping the configurations of people who want to have it have the ability to do it so if you st- if you want single click you can still imagine have if they it. just yeah. removed you know? the ability though how great would that be they're like oh, not only no. going to double click <laughs> yeah. but we're removing single click so you're that saying would like be the, a the great gnome troll. way is that what you're talking yeah. about the gnome way yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> gnome yeah. probably you know, would do the, that. you know michael's right it, and we all all agree double click is universal i mean windows uses it mac os uses it 
The only area that it's not as common anymore is, of course, with mobile and touch. So yeah. <laughs> that yes, is a thing. <laughs> I've actually seen that argument given for why KDE should have single click. Yeah. And I would just like to point out to people that a finger and a mouse are different things. <laughs> so the, the way you interact with a tablet or a phone doesn't matter with the way you interact with the mouse. Yeah. That's an interesting point, Michael. I never really had anybody <laughs> put together the fact that a mouse and a finger are different things. I know, right? <laughs> I, always, I, I always looked I, at I am, my mouses I and went, I have five Ryan. little mouses right here that I use. I am a trailblazer. Yeah, we we yeah. all accidentally double click, you know, uh, things that are supposed to be single clicked. It, it happens to all of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So they have other enhancements in KDE as well. It's not just this amazing what birthday gift that they're, they're doing Michael. other stuff. Yeah. Whoa. Like KDE always does. Like Kwin's blur effect has been reworked and glitches with the GPUs and NVIDIA and AMD are now a thing of the past. Nice. No more glitches. And also I like I like the fact that they have improved the and simplified the process of Dr. Conky, which is the built-in crash reporting system. And it actually is pretty good because you'll, you, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. The Ubuntu send report thing, no one uses that. Yeah. Please fix it. Because it true. pops up all the time. It doesn't really do anything, but it's there and annoys people. So people just say, don't send or ignore or whatever. So fix that. And Dr. Conky, while use was very useful, it was kind of confusing for, for some people. So I'm really happy to see that they're simplifying that. And if you ever change the keyboard backlighting to be a certain you know level, like you want it maybe in the middle of the keyboard of, of the brightness, maybe right there in the middle. And I change reboot. it all the time on every keyboard I ever use. And it is always the lowest I could possibly have while still being on. Well, now Katie will remember the brightness level that you chose. Fantastic. Sweet. Keyboard yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, and they and implemented a workaround for a weird issue that could cause plasma to eventually slow down and crash on systems that frequently change monitor arrangements. And honestly, I I had that bug not too long ago. Of I course had, you did, Jill. <laughs> of course you did. So I'm happy they're going to. She fix probably it. has like six monitors right now. Yeah. And then yeah. every once in a while, she just adds another one just for good measure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they also have five very high-priority plasma bugs fixed, along with 59 15-minute plasma bugs fixed, and 91 KDE bugs of all kinds, different kinds fixed there. Lots of bug fixes, lots of cool stuff. By the way, for those plasma. who are curious what a 15-minute bug means, is yeah. that the idea is that it's a small bug that you can fix within 15 minutes. Not that it takes 15 minutes for the bug to happen or whatever other configuration you the might have. 15 minute bug? You got to wait 15 minutes. You got to wait 15 minutes for your system to run. Yeah. <laughs> That's Windows, isn't it? Isn't that called Windows? That is, that is called 15 Windows minute booting. Bug. Yeah. yeah. So, Jill, you know, one of the things that's really awesome on a birthday is to have a birthday in space with your squad. Oh, yes. Yes. Bad transition. <laughs> so good. Now that we're trying to make well, it bad, I just respect it now. Yeah, no, it's good. I have another transition we can use. Okay. So if you would rather not use your paws for double clicking, but for flying a cat in a spaceship, avoiding obstacles and shooting swarms of robotic bugs, then the game Whisker, Whisker Squadron Survivor is for you. <laughs> but that was actually a good transition. That wasn't a bad transition, Jill. That was actually a really good Aww. transition. The bad transitions is not supposed to be relevant. Yeah. yeah that's the... 
Jill can't be bad at anything. Aww. You see that? She's like, she tried and she couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Good. So the game is Whisker Squadron Survivor. Whisker. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. It's a cosmic roguelite on rails shooter with uh, wild 30 minute runs that will take your feline flight crew to thrilling new heights with each so this, randomized let's just, adventure. Let's just point out this looks very much like Star Fox. Yes. Like a clone. Absolutely. And, and that is a wonderful thing. Now, the yes. most important point does some point in the game a character say, do a barrel roll? Yeah. We need to find out. This is very important information we need to know. Or ribbit, 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 ribbit. <laughs> that, also, that too. Yeah, barrel. I haven't heard the barrel roll yet, and I've I've played through a couple of maps. I haven't heard that one yet. But this, this is actually- This game looks cool, though. It's amazing. This is from the creators of Race the Sun, which is one of my favorite games that I have sunk a, I love that a game. lot of time flying in. In fact, um, if you liked Race the Sun, I had which 8 was- million points on Race the Sun. Oh, you did, run, Michael? I in didn't one run. That. that makes sense. That's right. Yeah. So if you liked okay, Race the it. Sun. Because I'm amazing at Race the Sun. <laughs> it so was gifted. supported on Linux from day one in 2013. Um, you will so like Whisker Squadron Survivor. So yeah, it was one of the first games that you could get on Steam that supported Linux which is really oh, nice. awesome. And it has a lot of the same nail-biting intensity to avoid crashing your plane into obstacles like like race it's the a sun. spaceship, Jill, not a plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Please, I, oh, yes, Jill. Yes, sorry. Race the yeah. sun was a plane, <laughs> race the but sun this was is a plane. spaceship. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Big difference. But this one, yes, this one you have a spaceship and you have weapons and swarms of enemies on top of trying to avoid crashing your plane. Now, granted, it doesn't start as fast. It's it's not like Race the Sun where the plane is going so fast. It it, yeah. it starts slower, but then it builds up speed. <laughs> so, and in fact, there's even a Race the Sun Easter egg in Whisker Squadron, and levels that look very familiar to Race the Sun maps that you know us fans will love. And I particularly love the cyberpunk colors, the beautiful Tron-like design the aesthetics, and music. And the mouse and keyboard control of your ship is actually superb. It's, it's right on. Is the mouse double-click to fire or single-click to fire? <laughs> <laughs> single-click. <laughs> huh. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That shouldn't so- <laughs> be the default, though. It should be default to double-click. Yeah. So even though it's still sure. early access, it's an amazing game. And you can grab it on Steam now at 20% off for $11.99. Nice. And it's just, it, it's so much fun. And I love that you're a kitty cat flying a spaceship because I love kitty yes. cats. Yes, which is very different than a fox. Cats yes. and fox, not very, the same thing. Very yeah, different. Yes. <laughs> and I, I'm really excited to play this game because uh, I didn't know it was made by the Race of Sun people. And I am a big fan of Race of Sun. I still randomly play it every once in a while just because I like nice. that game. And what's cool about that game is that the aesthetics of Race of the Sun is so interesting because for those who have never heard of this game, it's cool. It's a racing thing, but it's like a it's like a time tri- a time trial thing. But you aren't really basing it on time. You never see any HUD that pop up that tells you like how much time you have left. You're basing it on the sun and how high it's in the sky. And as yeah. soon as it sets, it sets, that's when the race is over. When it gets and dark. It's, just, it's a really creative <laughs> way of doing like time management in a, in a racing game. Yeah. And also 
there is like as Jill's talked about, that game is really fast. <laughs> and there's an apocalypse mode. Uh-huh. Which it goes even more crazy. Even more crazy, huh. which I can't Those play because I can't see the out. screen. <laughs> but Michael, I'm sure, is very good at it. <laughs> Michael's race the sun and whisker squadron. But you know who else needs to race the sun? Frogs. Frogs have to race the sun. And that's why our software is yeah, do good yeah. racing. Well, Ryan. they they need to you know put their their bodies in the sun to get warm. So yeah, they're yeah. amphibians. How was that for a bad transition? That's not racing the sun. That's using the sun. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know who else <laughs> needs to use the sun? Frogs. So our software spotlight this week is frog. <laughs> so it's well done, Ryan. Thank you, thank you. So have you ever seen an image with text? And you just want the text and not the image itself. And you may be like, I've never had this happen to me. Well, let me explain to you a scenario in which you probably had this happen to you. You know those inspirational quotes? Sometimes. All the time. (laughs) I see an inspirational quote, but they put the stupid little pictures and things in the background. And I just want the text to send to a friend or whatever and be like, hey, I was inspired by this. Maybe you were too. Or sometimes I send them to my teams at work and be like, hey, this is a really cool quote that kind of fits what we're going through this week or whatnot. But it's got the stupid picture there. So I have to put the picture up on the screen and I have to manually type the quote out. And instead, I could just use frog now because what does frog do? Well, Frog takes the text from an image and just turns it into text for you. So like, it OCRs it, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> it just takes the text out and removes the background. And then you have text, but in plain text format. So you could copy and paste it and it's perfect. It doesn't take the text. Like if the text is like art design or whatever, it doesn't keep that. It just puts it in regular. Just makes it plain text and you get the... There's actually many times where I would see a quote and I want to basically put it into a notepad and save it for later. And this is a really good use case for that because I usually just type it or just, uh, that quote's not good enough. I'll just, I'll, I'll remember it. That you get work. bored in the middle of typing three words and you're like, eh, it's not that inspirational. <laughs> exactly. I'm not that inspired. Aww. <laughs> but it's not frog. just for inspirational quotes. I'm sure there are other use cases as well. I just happen to think inspirational quotes. So I tested it because I was like, this is kind of like, this is pretty powerful if this can actually do this, like pull that text out of that image. Like to me, it would be pretty impressive. And sure enough, it worked. I just grabbed the first quote though that I could find. And it was a quote that, well, let me just read it to you. In real life, I assure you, there is no such thing as algebra. Fran Lebowitz. I have no idea what that freaking (laughs) quote actually means or why that's inspirational or why we had to have a text (laughs) with an image behind it. It's an interesting quote, but I don't know why. I don't don't know what it means, but that was the first one that came up when I was like, you know, inspirational quotes with an image. And that's what came up. So somebody tell me in the comments what this is inspirational. (laughs) That's because we don't use algebra in real life outside of school. So... (laughs) Yeah, but As we get is that really inspirational? Adults. That's but, not inspirational at all. I mean, yeah. it's a good it's a good point. The, the idea is that there's more important things, more interesting things. For example, like how to balance a checkbook or how to cook or how to pay your taxes or all of that stuff. There's plenty of things they could teach that they don't. So that's it makes sense. It's a good quote, but it's not inspirational for sure. <laughs> how about the quote should then be, we teach stupid stuff in schools, let's stop. And then by Ryan. And there's your new inspirational quote. Oh, but no, it's we teach good. worthless things in school. No, sometimes it's, it's Stop good for it. critical thinking. <laughs> and yeah. and there are there are scientists who actually do use. You're algebra. biased, Jill. You're professor. Yeah. 
You can't you can't come in on this. You're you're biased. You're part of the problem. You're the system that's broken our children. Aww. You're the reason our system although, is broken. Although I, I taught computer animation and motion graphics. Oh yeah. And okay. video editing. And actually, you sometimes had to use a little bit of algebra to use the program. Why do you keep ruining things, Jill? You're ruining the whole idea of cupcakes versus muffin. You're taking his side. You're you're giving good transitions and ruining our entire process of how we do bad transitions this episode. What is going on, Jill? (laughs) I don't know. This this whole episode is very complex, which is why Michael has a tip and trick to help you with complex. This whole episode is very complex and a mess. Yeah. So <laughs> um, the tip of the week this week is related to password management. Now, no matter what password manager you use, it's important to create complex passwords. I see what you did there with that bad uh, transition. The, the bad well, transition. The, yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> if you want a tool that can help you do that, you can use make password or make pass WD. It uses dev slash urandom to generate passwords on the command line, and it has options for switches to make them even more difficult to get. So you can not give it to get difficult to remember, probably, and difficult to break through. So you can use make pass wd dash dash help to see all of the different switches and all the things you can do to make it even more dev urandom. And nobody makes more complex passwords than Michael. He is the most annoying person to share a password manager with for the company because every time I go to look at what the password is, it is literally the max amount of characters they will ever allow. And when I say that, some don't have maxes. So I think like Bitwarden's generator is like 120 or 60 characters or whatever. Michael no, no, no. has that all. So you've got no, no, no. this it's, password it's all, this it's all long. About- yeah. It's all about whether the platform that you're signing up for has a, a restriction. And just a this is a pet peeve. If you create a platform or you're a part of that and you have decision to decide how many pass what the max password should be, the answer is don't do that. Yeah. It should not have a maximum because then you you're telling people exactly how but many characters wants to they have. Store all that data for 800 that's character what a, password. That's what a password manager is for. And all password managers are very important. If you don't have one, get one. They're great. So I agree that it is kind of ridiculous for someone to have an incredibly long, complex password. 60 and characters. It's, I usually have about 85 or more. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple, there's a couple so passwords that have like 100 and something. Jill, However, I will say... <laughs> that there is a new thing that I have changed. So it, uh-huh. there there are some passwords that will forever be annoying just to bother Ryan. Yeah. But I have changed it to passphrases now so that I can have a super long password that's a couple words with some like symbols and numbers and stuff attached. So well, now hackers to know to try to hack your stuff with passphrases. No, I said some of them have that. Oh, but also passphrases are know. arguably more complex than passwords in some ways. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Why would that be that way? I don't know, but I've no, heard that on if security If your passphrase is so. twice as long as your password, maybe, but I don't see Well, the see whole idea of a passphrase be. is to have anywhere between four or more words separated by some kind of symbol or multiple symbols and also having random numbers thrown in there at, at random spots. Hmm. So it would be technically be more complex. And the idea is that... The word dictionary would make it easier for the password well, you guesser because you're you, using real words, you know? But the words are not related to each other. 
Yeah. So it makes it harder. But they don't have to be real words. They just have to be things that you remember. You know, right? (laughs) Sometimes I really question being your only friend. (laughs) Oh, well, I've been using make passwords. Is Ryan my only friend? No, I'm your friend too. See, Ryan. (laughs) 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 And uh, I've I've actually been using make password for many, many years on on the terminal. In fact, a lot of my passwords that I store on my floppy disks are made with make password. Love it. Yeah. It's a really good tip, (laughs) Michael. It's a really good tip. It is. And the transition was amazing. It was okay. Yeah. What what transition are you going to use for the the outro? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you got to go. And in this sometimes case, you got to go. <laughs> when nature calls people, you got when nature go. calls, you got to oh go God. and you got to end the show. <laughs> so a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. <laughs> You can join us on Discord, but you're not going to find us here anymore because nature's calling and we gots to go. So go to tuxdigital.com slash Discord. Come hang out with us. You can watch the show live. You can become a patron of Destination Linux and get to watch us live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And also, watching live is just one of the awesome perks. If you become a patron, you get a bunch of extra stuff, including... Uh, patron-only access to the Discord server. You get a lot of extra cool stuff. In addition to that, you can check all of that out at tuxdigital.com slash membership. And also, we have a store you can get some awesome swag from. (laughs) tuxdigital.com slash store, where you can get some cool hats, t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, coasters, all sorts of cool stuff, and so much more at tuxdigital.com slash store. Michael, Ew. how do I get that awesome hat Ryan's wearing? Aww, you go to yes, tuxdigital.com slash store and search for the, wow. the keyword Linux 91 and boom, you got it. I'm headed there right now to go pick me one up. Well, well, then you're going to enjoy another you, hat that you already have. <laughs> but I think you have to go to the bathroom first, Ryan, before you do that. Do I? Do I, Jill? Or could I do it while I'm in the bathroom? There are stores so convenient, you can pull it up on your mobile device while you're in the bathroom. <laughs> so you can use it anywhere, our store. Just like Linux, it's everywhere. So it's make everywhere. sure also to check out all the incredible shows we have here on Tux Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, Linux Out Loud, the DOS Geek Channel, Hardware Addicts, Linux Saloon, and our newest show, Fit and Fueled, to keep not only your minds alert, and active, but your bodies too. And everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a wonderful week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. The end. The no more end. This no more has been, I'm actually going Unhinged. to, we're going to put bad transitions in the name of this episode. I don't know how, <laughs> but we are. It has to be. It ha- uh, there's no option. By the way, last week we talked about extreme tag and I just want to throw this in at the end. Oh, yeah. Have you all ever heard of world chase tag? No. Uh-uh. no. Basically, it's professional parkour people playing tag. Oh wow! And they're on, that would they're on teams, and it's it's very interesting. It doesn't sound like professional tag would be cool. 
it is. Check it out on YouTube, World Chase Tag. That sounds oh. awesome. I would love to join that, except I don't do parkour, so I just run in a straight line because that's pretty much all I know how to do. <laughs> and it probably wouldn't be too hard for them that's to That's also because if you try to take any turns, you'd be lost without the GPS. Yeah, yeah exactly. I wouldn't know where it was. 